Our scripture again is taken from uh, taken from Mark chapter two, verses twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Then he said to them, "The Sabbath was was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath." May God richly bless both the reading and the hearing of His holy word. Now, the incident from which our text is taken derives from a very familiar scene in the life and the earthly ministry of Jesus as he encounters the Pharisees on a number of occasions. And basically what the Pharisees are doing is what the Pharisees do, which is, as it relates to Jesus, they were always attempting to discredit him. And they would try to discredit him usually by trying to charge either himself or his disciples as somehow violating the law of God. It's interesting that if you fast forward in the, in the age of the church, we see that there are still many people, every time the message of the gospel goes forth, there's always going to be some finger pointers and waggers trying to prove that our embrace of the gospel somehow undermines the law of God. And it's always, no matter what you say, they will always make you want to stand up for something they think you said. And so in this case, uh, Jesus' disciples are the ones that, that they tried to use, that the Pharisees tried to use to discredit him. And the way that uh, the, the issue here in particular is the, the law concerning the Sabbath. That's what's at issue. So if we back up a few verses in verse 23... Jesus and his disciples are going through a field, and as they pass through uh, the field of the grain fields on the Sabbath, uh, as they're passing through, Mark says that the disciples began to pluck heads of grain, heads of grain, no doubt indicating that they were hungry, so they weren't doing it for sport, they were doing it because they were hungry, and they took grains of, uh, heads of grain to eat. In verse 24, the Pharisees don't go to the disciples, and that's kinda, that kind of gives you an indication of what's going on, because as Jesus teaches through uh, in, in the way love works, is that if you see a brother or sister overtaken in sin, you go to that brother, and you go to that, that, that sister, and you, you bring the issue up before them. But in this case, they don't go to the, Pharise- to the disciples, they don't see them in error and try to teach them a more excellent way. They go with pointed fingers to Jesus, looking, they're, they're always, and, and by the way, if you look, if you're looking to, to, for something to uh, accuse someone on, it doesn't take long. It does not take long, it doesn't matter who it is. It does not take long, if that's what you're looking for. And really what we see is a wonderful example of something we mentioned a few months ago in preaching from Matthew, uh, Matthew's gospel, the, the dangers or the, the characteristics of the log and eye disease. And so these Pharisees, they are able to glimpse something wrong with Jesus' disciples because they have eaten grain on the Sabbath. So right there, not following Jesus, they found what they were looking for. They find his disciples at fault, so therefore they go to Jesus and they accuse his disciples of violating the Sabbath. 
Now they do so with one of two infractions in view. On the one hand, it could be that according to that, that what they have in mind is that according to Exodus chapter 34, verse 21, it says that plowing or reaping on the Sabbath is prohibited. So that could have been the thing that they were charging Jesus' disciples with because in the same way that when Jesus healed a man who was blind on the Sabbath and he spit on the ground and the, the, and the dirt became mud, they then accused him of working and because he converted dirt into mud. So it could be that they are looking at the disciples who are eating and they are suggesting that they are reaping on the harvest or on the, the Sabbath, and therefore they are in violation of the Sabbath law. Now hold in mind that in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25, plucking the head of grain from a neighbor's field is actually permitted. So here's the possibility of what else they were trying to do. Because this plucking the grain from a neighbor's field takes place on the Sabbath, maybe they are also trying to make the case that the disciples are stealing. If it were any other day, it wouldn't be stealing. But because it's on the Sabbath and the owners of the grain field are not allowed to reap on the Sabbath, if someone else reaps, then they are stealing. In either case, they are trying to make the case that Jesus' disciples are not keeping the Sabbath. And so they're implying that they are basically stealing. And Jesus responds to them. He, he is gracious in that he responds to them, and he responds to them by calling attention to 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. It's good to know God's word, right? It's, it's good to know. And, and Jesus, we know he was God in the flesh, but he was grounded in the word. And he is our representative, and he shows how we ought to be able to reason from God's word to various situations. Well, he cites the passage in, in 1 Samuel 21, verses 1 through 6. And in that incident, David went into the house of God during a famine, and he was with all of his men. And during this famine, he commanded the high priest to give, um, the, uh, give the, the consecrated bread, a uh, showbread, for he and his men to eat. And here's what I find interesting about Jesus using this as the point of reference. The interesting thing here is that the incident in 1 Samuel, this incident concerning uh, David and his men, does not occur on the Sabbath. So Jesus' defense of his disciples' actions is not to go back to any law concerning the Sabbath, but he illustrates the legitimacy of their actions based on something that doesn't take place on the Sabbath. I think he references this incident to demonstrate to the Pharisees that with all of the details that they give to, um, to keeping the letter of the law, is, I think he cites the incident with David to show that they do not understand the spirit of the law. And it's almost as if he would tell them, now what spirit, what, what part of the spirit of the Sabbath law is being violated by God's servants feeding themselves. That's, that's almost what he's doing, but in any event, 
he he uses this to 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 illustrate and really almost kind of kind of uh, shut the mouths of the Pharisees and he basically shows them that the conception of the Sabbath that, that their conception of the Sabbath is a faulty one that they have a faulty view of the Sabbath. Now you ask them. In fact, if you were to follow them, you would see them very studious, very dutiful in every aspect of the letter of the law concerning. The Sabbath. They were probably in sacred assembly. No one was doing any work. No servants were working. And so that's what they think gives them the right to now find the fault in any of uh, any other image bearers efforts to keep the Sabbath. But Jesus demonstrates to them that they really don't understand the Sabbath. Brothers and sisters, let me just say something about the outward form of worship and of loving God. Sometimes people will look at what we do and say, oh boy, they really love the Lord. They are here, they're there, they always have their Bible open, they always pray before they eat in public, and they always pray in the morning before they leave. They really love the Lord. But I often think of Martin Luther when he, before he was converted into Protestantism, before he challenged the, Catholic, uh, the t- teaching of the Catholic Church, and of, he, was a, he was a monk. And as a monk, he was just, I mean, he was dutiful, doing everything that was required of him in his monastic order. And people would look at him and say, oh boy, Brother Martin really loves the Lord. He would be in for confessions for hours upon hours. In fact, his confessor would tell him, Martin, go, go, just just go, you're okay. You know, the Lord loves you. And, but, and, and then they would say, Brother Martin, you must really love the Lord. And he said, love him. No, I don't love him. I really hate him. But the reason he was so devoted to all of those duties is because he felt that if he didn't do it, that somehow God would strike him dead. Brothers and sisters, we can have an outward form of religion, and we can have all of our secondary reasons for doing what we do as well as what we don't do and really have no understanding of what we're doing or why we are doing it. I think of the words of Jesus again at another time when he's confronting the Pharisees. And he says, you search the scriptures because they were always pointing to scriptures, this, that, and the other. And he says, you don't even know the scriptures. You search the scriptures because you think they confirm you in eternal life. But I'm telling you that the very scriptures that you are searching condemn you. So here we see again these strict Sabbatarians. They have an outward understanding of the Sabbath, but their view of the Sabbath is faulty. Therefore, it is superstitious. Now Jesus, in responding to them, makes three statements about the Sabbath. On the one, first off, he says that the Sabbath was made for man. Secondly, he says that man was not made for the Sabbath. That's not saying the same thing. He's making a different point by rearranging the wording or inserting another, a single word. And then thirdly, he says that he himself is the Lord of the Sabbath. So let's begin with the first statement, that the Sabbath was made for man. That is a powerful statement. The Sabbath was made for man. 
Now, understand that when Moses introduces the Sabbath in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, he says that God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. And although he says in verse 2 that he rested from his work, that does not mean that God was tired. It simply means that he ceased from his work. And then later in, in Exodus, when, uh, when Moses reiterates aspects of the Ten Commandments, he reminds the, 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 the children of Israel that on the seventh day God rested, and I love this, he refreshed himself. Now, what's interesting is that the word that's translated refreshed in Exodus 38 simply means to breathe. And so, in other words, God breathes. We would say he exhales. Well, the breath of God is the spirit of God. And so, therefore, somehow, and it kind of connects, because it really what takes place in creation is that God is the creator through Him, his son. And so God is not tired from creating, God ceases from creating, and then he breathes his spirit on the seventh day. And I, I would argue that the breathing that Moses references in Exodus is, is really God sanctifying the day. And so in light of what David is, or what, what Jesus is saying here, God sanctified the day. Now hold in mind also that man is created on the sixth day. Of everything else that God has given to man for his refreshment and for his, uh, the purpose of the, for which God created him, which is to, be, to reflect God's glory and to represent him in the earth and to enjoy him and glorify him forever. That is God's purpose for man. So in order for him to carry out the things that man needed to do, God gave him a mind by which he could think. He gave him the use of language by which he could reflect and represent the authority of God. He gave him an emotion by which he could feel he could have uh, compassion or he could have love for God and for his fellow image bearers. God gave him a body that was suited for the work that he needed to do. God even gave him a companion that would help him carry out the creation mandate. God gave him everything that he needed in order for him to be the image bearer that he was supposed to be. And Jesus adds this caveat on top of everything else that God gave him. Trees that he could eat from, animals that he was to have dominion over, God gave him a day. Brothers and sisters, hold in mind that the Sabbath is not a redemption ordinance. It's a creation ordinance. And so when Jesus says that the Sabbath was created for man, it has to be understood as being as necessary for him to carry out the will of God and as necessary for him to be who he is supposed to be as everything else that God had given him. Sabbath was created for man. God sanctifies the Sabbath for the benefit of his image bearers. He set it apart. And I've often made this observation that man is created on the sixth day. And guess what he's supposed to do on the seventh day? Rest. So that on the first day he could go to work. Now we usually work, we rest after we work. God tells Adam 
you need to rest before you work. And so before he sets him to do the things that he's supposed to do, he has everything that is necessary. In fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes says that God has created man upright. But he has sought out many devices. Everything that was necessary for him to represent God. He had a will. He could choose. He had had freedom of action, freedom of body. He was everything that he needed. And on top of everything that God created him to be, God gave him the gift of a day. And that day is supposed to be as necessary for his existence as the water that he drinks, the food that he eats. The words that he speaks, the mind that he has, the, cre- the, 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 the Sabbath, says Jesus, was created for man. And here's what seems to be the problem with the Pharisees. They have that thing twisted. You see, there's no threat in the Sabbath. It was created for man in his upright position. It was created for man even in his purity, even before the fall. The creation of the Sabbath was given for the good and benefit of man. I would argue that at least it's it's good for at least three things. It's good for man because it allows him to behold the work of God. Sometimes we get too busy. Uh, One of the things that I enjoyed Growing up, when my parents, it was, it was three of us for first nine or 11 years of my life, and um, then my younger sister was born, but when we were much younger, my parents, when it was time to go on vacation, we didn't get airplane tickets. We got in the car. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got in the car, and we drove. We would drive from California to Arkansas. And the, but the, one of the things, and I guess that's one of the reasons I still love driving cross-country, one of the things that, that it allowed us to do you see, we lived in the city, and we didn't have cows, but we drive through the country. We'd see the country the countryside. We'd see cows grazing. We'd see sheep. We'd see all sorts of things as we drive through Arizona, and then we'd drive through New Mexico and drive through Texas, and we'd drive through all of these states. We got a chance to actually see. Now, I can say as an adult, the Lord has blessed us through ministry to travel all over the world, but the thing is, every place looks the same because we're on a plane. We're on a plane. We don't really get a chance to pull in and see anything. We, we're too big. It's too high up. Now, I do love flying over the continent of Africa. It's a wonderful thing to see in the daytime, to look down on the Sahara and so forth. But it's still not the same thing as driving through the desert. You see, God gives us the Sabbath. Because, you see, on, 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 on Monday, Adam is going to be at it. He's going to be, he will see the trees from a different perspective. He will see the trees as that which he needs to maintain. He will see the animals from a different perspective. But God gives him a gift that before he touches anything, before he goes out and speaks to anything, he just has the privilege of beholding his God. He has the the advantage of looking out on the fields that have not been tarnished by smog. The skies, the clouds, the stars. David says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. That's after the fall. How 
much more splendid is it before the fall? Yeah, creation, God created the Sabbath so that man could behold what it was that he was a part of. So that he could behold the glory of God. And perhaps he could have a different view of it instead of saying, oh boy, it's Monday, I got to go back to work. I I get to encounter it, I get to engage with all that God has given. So the creation of the Sabbath is for the good of man because it enables him to behold the work of God before he engages in work. But secondly, the Sabbath is good for man because it allows man to commune with God in a special way. Just as the Lord, I, I wonder if it, 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 I guess it wasn't on the Sabbath when, when the Lord brought the animals to Adam and allowed him to name them. Perhaps it came after the creation of the Sabbath. And so after Adam has beheld God's glory in the created order, now he gets to reflect God's authority by giving names to what God has given him to do. But he does get a chance to commune with God. You see, when we read in Genesis 3 after the fall, and it says, They heard the voice of the Lord in the garden. Uh, Meredith Klein, great Old Testament scholar that used to teach at Westminster in California, wrote a book entitled, or actually it's a syllabus of of lessons entitled, um, Kingdom Prologue. And he makes the point that that the, the garden was sort of a sanctuary. Adam had access to the whole created order, but it was in the garden that he would meet with God. And so the reason he hears the voice of God in the garden is because that was the meeting place. And so God, had, uh, God gave Adam, even though God is the omnipresent God who is everywhere at all times and there is no place that you can escape his presence, God is with his people and since there is no fall at this point, there is no sin, there is no separation, they are in the presence of God at all times but the God who is always present is present in a particular way when man is doing nothing but contemplating him. So in that contemplation, there seems to be communion with creator and creature. There seems to be a communion between God and man. And I would argue this, that also it seems to be that depending on, again, when Eve is created, it also gives an opportunity for horizontal communion and horizontal fellowship where Eve and Adam could together contemplate the splendors of creation and the joy of being created in the image of God. Yeah, yeah the creation or the, 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 the Sabbath was created for man. It wasn't created to frighten him. It was created to enhance him. And whatever man was intended to be, the creation of the Sabbath was a supplement to his creation. In other words, it was advantageous to him. God blesses him by giving him the Sabbath. There's, uh, I was listening earlier, uh, just happened, just so happens, it was a discussion, a podcast where this uh, Jewish writer, Judith uh, Shulevitz, I think is her name, and she was talking about how she was always consumed with work, and she lives in New York, she, she's a writer, and, and she would always, every day, she was, 
work, consumed with work. And when they, when she would get off from work, and they would go and have after, uh, you know, after work, get together with friends. They were talking about work. Over the weekend, they were talking about work. And she found out that she was just consumed with work. And so she had a friend from college who was a Christian, a Lutheran lady. And she says, you know, I think I need, I, maybe I need to go to church. And so her Lutheran friend said, well, you are Jewish. You might not enjoy church. Here's what you might want to do is look for um, a Shabbat, which is a Sabbath community. And so she found and she told her about one and, and she went to uh, this, this Sabbath, uh, this, this Shabbat, this Sabbath community. And she said the first time that she went and everything that was going on and the worship and the stillness, she said she just broke down in tears. And it's through the discovery of the Sabbath that she actually became a practitioner of her religion. I think about that, and I thought about it as I was listening. I said, wow, that's exactly what we're talking about. Jesus, when Jesus says the Sabbath was created for man, the implication is that there is something missing when man does not observe the Sabbath. There's something missing about him. And the, 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 um, the Pharisees have it twisted, which brings us to the second thing that he, he points out. Not only does he say that the Sabbath was created for man, negatively he says this, man was not made for the Sabbath. And this is where perhaps the, the, the Pharisees, this is where they twisted it, and this is where perhaps their superstition comes in because they look at it as a rule. And, of course, they should. It is, a, it is issued as a law. It is given before the Ten Commandments. It is given before the fall. But when the Lord gives the Ten Commandments, he includes a, a, a statement on the Sabbath. And we see later in Israel's history at various points we see them, the, the prophets that the Lord sends them, condemning them for, among other things, a number of issues that they had, viol uh, places where they had viola violated the law of God. But one of the things that remains constant with them is that they violated the Sabbath. The Lord's day was no longer sacred for them. And so, therefore, the, the, the Pharisees take this the wrong way. They think, therefore, the purpose of the Sabbath is that, that, that somehow man was created for this. But Jesus says this was created for man. And there, it's a huge difference. In other words, man was not made for the Sabbath. Man was made to glorify God. And the Sabbath is a means by which we are able to carry out the responsibility of glorifying God. So if we look at all of the, the rules that are attached to it, and by the way, uh, Judith, Judith Shulevitz eventually wrote a book. She entitled the book The Sabbath World, and she calls it, the subtitle was Glimpses of a Different Order of Time. And what she does is she just kind of researches historically what we have called the blue laws, the blue laws in various parts of the country where, on, where things and businesses were shut down on Sunday. And then eventually in 19, I think it was 1961, this went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court upheld some aspect of the blue laws. And Warren Berger, who was one of the deciding justices, made this observation that it is somehow good for man 
for his disposition when he ceases activity on the Lord's on, on one day out of the week. The point is that even in a secular sense, it's demonstrated that the Sabbath is good for man. Even if we don't have a right understanding of it, it is good for man to cease from his activities. There's another, in fact, she mentions it, I think, in the book also, where they talk about a technology Sabbath. And the technology Sabbath is when people consciously choose to turn off all of their devices for a day and just engage the world. Maybe read a book. Maybe speak to your partner instead of tweeting them or texting them. You know, in other words, the the idea is the Sabbath was not made for man. But it was made, or man was not made, I should say, for the Sabbath. But the Sabbath was made for man. And if the Sabbath, if our understanding of the Sabbath and all of the things that God prohibits on the Sabbath, if the only thing that we see is what we can't do, then somehow man has missed the sense of what the Sabbath is for. In other words, and in fact, she goes on in the book and she, or in her discussion, she talks about how the Puritans celebrated the Sabbath and in the founding years, the early years of, our, of, 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 of the colonial period. And, and she mentions how they, 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 since they couldn't light a fire on the Sabbath, they ate their food cold. Even today, strict Sabbatarians. I, I had a friend in, uh, some friends that were in uh, the Reformed Baptist uh, Church, uh, Reformed ba- Association of Reformed Baptist Churches of America, and they're calling me, and they're going back and forth over an issue because a brother in a church, I won't even mention the state, it wasn't California or Florida, but it was a, it was a Reformed Baptist Church, but a brother was being disciplined by his local assembly because he went to a restaurant. He was seen in a restaurant on the Lord's Day. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Now here's the thing. They don't get the spirit of the Sabbath. If you're complaining, and I don't even know if he went to this restaurant after church or went to the restaurant instead of church. But, but, but something is, is missing. That if, if, if we clog up our church calendars with church discipline because somebody went to a restaurant on the Lord's Day. And you know what they reasoned from? They said, wow, the Pharisees do live. They said, well, it wasn't necessarily wrong for him to go to the restaurant because at least he's not cooking. But his patronage of the restaurant requires other people to work and therefore break the Sabbath. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Man was made to glorify God. And if we only see the laws and what they prohibit and think that we have kept the Sabbath because, well, I didn't mow my grass today. And and how many of us grew up in households where if you were going to go to church on Sunday, you better iron your clothes on Saturday. Not because you take too long, but simply because we don't work on the Lord's day. Amen. We don't work on the Lord's day. Man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. 
And what the Pharisees were doing in their misunderstanding of the law and their superstitious attachment to it, they were loose, they were tightening the grips of the law on God's, on Christ's servants. They, and even not just on his servants, they, they were doing this with Jesus, they did it with others as well. In other words, the law, the reason the law condemns us is because it tells us what we ought to do and it shows us what we haven't done. Now, the part that they got right is that the law does prohibit certain things. So the Mosaic law does prohibit certain activities. What they don't get is that the law also exposes our failures. And what they don't see is how they, how the law of the Sabbath exposes their failures in the Sabbath. That they could be in their temples, they could be in their synagogues, and if they are keeping the letter of the law, but do not respond to the spirit of the law, and are not connected with God through his creation or his other image bearers, then they themselves are in violation of the Sabbath. You see, brothers and sisters, if the disciples of Jesus were really in sin, then the Pharisees, according to the spirit of the law, should have, as loving brothers, confronted them and showed them a more excellent way. Man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And every time we start going down our checklist of what we ought to do and ought not to do, it is a wrong understanding of the Sabbath. Now, by the way, we, we have to mention this because some people will say, and in fact, I had a brother who was upset and said, you know, you guys worship on Sunday. Who gave you the right to do that? So every time we talk about the Sabbath, someone will possibly bring up the possibility, well, isn't the Sabbath the seventh day? Okay, so I'm going to grant that. Of course, the Sabbath is the seventh day, uh, but... We know the reason we worship on the first day rather than the seventh day is because, one, Jesus was raised on the first day of the week. Secondly, we see through a number of statements in the New Testament, including 1 Corinthians, that it was the first day of the week when the Christians met. Thirdly, we know that John and others in the New Testament refer to the first day of the week as the Lord's Day. So if you want to quibble over Saturday versus Sunday, worship him on Saturday, that's fine as long as we get to the third thing that Jesus says. And he says that he, even he, is the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, he is the Lord over the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Interesting why he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Because God ceased from his work, right? God ceased from, cre he, he ceased from his work of creation. But here's what we get. In Genesis 1, we are told that God said in the beginning, there was. And God called the light into existence. He called the stars. He created everything by speaking it, to, in, speaking it into existence, which we called creation by fiat. In other words, God gives a word, and whatever he says, it becomes. But then we read the Gospel of John. And John just throws a monkey wrench into everything. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. 
And the word was God, and the word was with God, and there was nothing made that was not made by him, speaking of the word. And then Paul in Colossians 1 says that he has created all things for his glory, things that are seen and unseen, powers and principalities, and in him, he says, by him, all things were made that are made, and in him, or by him, all things consist. So guess who worked in creation? Jesus. And so when he says he's the Lord of the Sabbath, that means it is he and his work that we are reflecting upon on, this, on the Lord's day. So it's all, it's, in other words, if the purpose of the Sabbath is for man to behold the work of God, it is to behold the work of the triune God, it is to behold the work of the Son of God, the second, the eternal Son of God, who is the second person of the Godhead, who is the creator of all things. So that when, we, when Jesus, Jesus tells the, uh, the, the Pharisees, in other words, they're with me, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, if I don't have an issue with it, you don't. Because this whole thing is about me. And so, brothers and sisters, that's why Paul can tell the Colossians, don't get tripped up over days of the week and holy days and feast days. Know this, that you are complete in him who is the head of all principality. That you are in him by faith. He's crushed the enemy and all of the writing, the handwriting of ordinances that were against you, he's already canceled it. So he's given us a day whereby we rest and we behold the work of God, the work of God in creation, the work of God in redemption, communing with God through the mediation of his son. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath because the Sabbath is about him. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my burden upon you because my burden is easy and my, yoke, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. And you know what he says you'll find? You'll find rest for your souls. Jesus is the substance of the Sabbath. Jesus is, he is the primary work that is being observed in the Sabbath. Jesus is the reason for the Sabbath because it is only through him that we can actually glorify God. So here's what Jesus says to the Pharisees. You're going to have to find another one. This one won't fly. That, that, that fish won't swim. He, because understand this, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And it's interesting, he kind of closes with that because there's nothing to come back from on that other than to say he's blaspheming because if it, for him to say that he is the Lord of the Sabbath is for him to claim his deity. And they have a problem with that too. Brothers and sisters, God has given us a day. I know we, we, we are busy. There's nobody that, that has anything going on that's not busy. And I, I pray that we are not pharisaical about the day that he gives us. 
But I pray that we understand that, that what God has called us to in this day of rest is for our good so that we can better glorify him. We pray that we would understand that Jesus, not only is he, is he the reason for the season that we say during Christmas, Jesus is the substance of the Sabbath, and without him, we are condemned. Because, brothers and sisters, man is supposed to worship God whether they know how to or not. But it is only because of Jesus that we can meet with God and not be consumed. Man. Or the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But praise be to God, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Here's what I tell some of my friends. They say, well, what if you're wrong about this? What if you're wrong about the Sabbath? Well, I say, well, my faith is in Jesus, and I'm convinced that even that is paid for by his blood. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we do thank you for... Another Lord's Day that you have given to us for our good. We pray that you would give us wisdom. That we would navigate your gifts in a manner that is profitable to us and brings glory to you. We pray that we would not be cavalier. That we would not treat this as any other day that's on the calendar. You sanctified it. And you sanctified it for us. And we pray at the same time that we would not be legalists about it and we would not be superstitious. We pray that we would observe this day not because we fear hell, but we would observe this day because we love you. And so if there's something that has hindered us from honoring what you have given for our good, we repent. And we pray that you would open our eyes to see it And as we see it as it truly is, let us embrace the substance of this day for your glory and for our good. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for his work. But most of all, we thank you for his words of peace. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 Would you please stand?